knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, everybody. Well, we want to welcome you back to another episode of Field Note Fridays powered by Springfield Armory. And on today's episode, we got Mr. Taryn Bauer on to talk Whitetail Activity Report for Kansas and Nebraska. So, Taryn, you've been on the podcast before, so I don't think there's any need for another huge introduction. But, man, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, man. Happy to have you back. Always love to talk deer hunting with you. And so uh, before we, you know, start talking Kansas and Nebraska, you know, tell us a little bit how your season has been going so far. My season in a nutshell has basically been, let's just go with a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a, it's been a fun one, but it's been a humbling one. Um, As far as, you know, deer activity and stuff like that, it was a, it was a really, really tough rut. There were, there were days where it was like, man, it's going to, you know, it's going to take off. This is, you know, this is the start of it. And then mm-hmm. we'd get a hot windy day and things would shut right back off. And then a couple of days later we'd get, you know, some cold temps and it was like, all right, here we, here we go. You know, we're going to get a good stretch and, and then it'd warm right back up. And so like, as far as running activity, it was, it was almost non-existent. Um, and then we kind of got into the, like the lockdown phase, which kind of hit during rifle season mm-hmm. and we had bitter, bitter cold temperatures. So guys kind of struggled a little bit during rifle season. The temps were there, but like I said, it was just the phase of the rut that was kind of, you know, kind of making it harder for guys to kill. And, um, my my target buck, um, I had him early on my second sit. I grunted him in, and uh, I I could not get a shot at him. Um, hunted him pretty hard, you know, throughout the rut up until rifle season. 
he ended up making it through rifle season, which was, which was awesome. I wasn't, you know, wasn't sure. You're just never, never sure if, you know, if they're going to make it through and he did. So then it was the following Sunday after rifle season closed, um, a real calm night and deer were kind of back in that, you know, they had kind of been winding down from the rut and it was back to food. And the last time I had counted, I think I'd counted 42 deer out on the field and he was, he was one of them. And he was, I could see, you know, he was, he was feeding hard on, on corn and it finally, like I said, it was a really, really calm night. I mean, dead calm. And so I, I hit the grunt call and I could tell he was probably making a bunch of noise, you know, with his head down, chewing corn and stuff like that. So he finally picked his head up and was just kind of scanning the field. And, mm-hmm. and I, hit, I hit the grunt call again, you know, pretty loud. And he turned and started coming towards me. And I was like, here, here we go. You know, this is, this is finally going to happen. And he was way out in the field and, I was like, dang it, he's going to, you know, he's going to hit my wind. And he did and stood there for a few kind of nose up a little bit and turned and started walking back. And I was like, I'm just going to let him, I'm just going to let him be now. And this was out of the exact same stand that, that I'd grunted him in earlier at. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he just, it was like, he just changed his mind and he was like, you know what, I'm coming. And he turns and starts walking and gets on my travel corridor and i'm like this is going to be a chip shot it's going to be 17 yards um he's going to be standing at the mock scrape and i'm thinking to myself i'm gonna have to you know let him start hitting my mock scrape you know making a little noise before i try to draw on him because it is dead calm and he gets off the travel corridor and starts headed towards the river and I grunt, I drew back, grunted to stop him. And, um, like right as I'm grunting, he had, or like right before I was getting ready to grunt to stop him, he, he heard me draw. And so he kind of locked up, turned and was quartering away a little bit. And I thought I'd settled my pins, but long story short, I ended up hitting him in front of the front shoulder into the neck. Um, I misread the I misread the shot just a little bit. I thought um, I thought I hit him high shoulder just as when he spun and I saw how much of the arrow was sticking out. I I kind of thought okay I I hit higher than I I wanted, but it's shoulder and you know if I can get six to eight inches of penetration I'll be fine. But long story short, um, we ended up the next morning. We went and started looking for him and. We, we ran out of blood and I was down in the dumps and my cousin has access to all my, all my trail cameras, um, you know, on the, on the apps. And mm-hmm. he goes, he goes, we're wasting our time. You got pictures of him, um, oh. at a, and that I call pinch. And so I was like, shoot. And, uh, like, well, it looks like he's not going to die. I only, I probably only missed the jugular by like two inches, three oh, inches, maybe. Man. So, um, he, that was a Monday morning when we were, when we trailed him. And then, um, 
I didn't get another picture of him until the, until the next Friday. So I was kind of starting to get a little bit nervous, but I still felt, you know, like, like I was going to be fine that it was non-fatal. And then we, I just went another 10 days without a picture of him. And I finally got another picture of him this morning back at that stand where I hit him. Dang. So that was, that was good to see. Um, I probably, I've got a Kansas tag and, you know, like we were talking before, I've been bouncing back and forth to Nebraska and Kansas and Kansas has been, has been tough. Uh, just not a lot of, not a lot of good bucks down there this year. Yeah. So I probably should, should spend the last few days here of season focusing on Nebraska. Cause I think, I think the main reason why, why I haven't been getting him on cameras cause he's probably, you know, he's probably not moving very far from bed to food cause we're, we're obviously at that stage now where, you know, ruts over the second rut, you know, with the does coming in the second time and the smaller ones, you know, that's kind of over too. And it's rebuilding the bodies. So yeah. I, I, what I need to do is spend, you know, a couple of days from afar watching the cornfield and uh, seeing where he's coming out and try to move in and, and get him killed before season gets over. Yeah. But, Man, this, yeah, this, you know, hearing you talk about your season and everything, that's kind of, you know, I've talked to some people who have had some wildly good success and, you know, have been, have have had that good season, but then it seems like the majority of folks I've talked to, it's, it's been a weird year in the deer woods Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And I, you know, we've had some weird, funky weather, you know, like I can remember, you know, late October, early November, I was talking with a couple of folks that are, you know, up in the Midwest and Northeast that they're talking about how it was unseasonably warm. They had temps in the 70s. And the, the crazy thing was down in Texas around that time, I was experiencing like January type weather where, you know, we're having highs in the 40s, low 50s. It's getting super cold at night. And so it it it's kind of funny how it just seemed like things were flip-flopped across the nation. Yeah. Um, yep. And so, you know, for, for today's podcast, you know, you and I kind of talked a little bit beforehand, you've been hunting Kansas, you've been hunting Nebraska. And so I want to talk to those guys that are headed out to their deer lease right now, or they're going to be hunting over, you know, they've got this next week, Christmas is coming up. You know, a lot of guys will take that whole week off and, you know, they spend time with family and then there's some guys that they really, you know, they do that family time, but then they're out in the stand too. So yeah, kind of tell us what have you been seeing over the past week or so with your properties in Kansas and Nebraska, you know, what have those deer been like? Are they in that post rut, post rut phase? Are they in, you seeing any kind of in that second rut or they're coming back into it because they got hot does, you know, tell us what the deer are doing, man. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm basically seeing now is, is we just, we just kind of ended that, that, uh, you know, second, second rut. Um, it seems like all, all food driven now. Um, in Kansas, Kansas is a little bit different. Um, Nebraska is all food driven. And I feel like within the next, you know, five days or so, it's going to be that, that exact same way in Kansas. Um, we're looking at, you know, Kansas is obviously a little bit south of where I am in Nebraska. So, you know, we've got a couple hours difference there. Um, and that kind of, that kind of changes the dates just a little bit. So I can always kind of see, you know, what's happening in Nebraska is going to be, you know, happening 
three or four days, five days later in yeah. Kansas. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely back to grain and, and rebuilding bodies. Um, yeah, like I'm talking to my dad and cousin at nights, you know, my, my dad lives on the farm there and there's 40 to 50 deer every night on the corn. Wow. So, so that's definitely, definitely what they're going to. Um, and I was looking at the forecast after I talked to you, um, this morning and, and it looks like the next couple of days we're, we're, we're going to have not really above normal temperatures, probably about average, but they're, they're kind of warmer. So my take is, is green is going to be good for the next few days here. Mm-hmm. And then it looks like from here on out, I would be focused all on grain. Um, okay. you know, if your food plots survive the, you know, the crazy drought and stuff like that, and you've got, you've got grain, I would say, I would say from now until, until the end of season, which in Nebraska and Kansas, it's, it's, uh, it's December 31st. My, my focus is, is 100% going to be on, going to be on corn or beans. Um, if you're lucky enough to have standing beans and stuff like that, by all means, spend all your time on that. Yeah. So that, that's good to know. Cause I know a lot of guys are probably wondering, you know, especially the ones that, you know, they may not have been out to their lease or wherever they're getting to hunt. This might be the first time they're getting to hunt for the, you know, for the year, uh, for some yeah. folks. And so uh, that's, that's definitely some good advice there. You know, if obviously you got that food source or you have that capability to hit it up and, you know, mm-hmm. stand on the food. So when it comes to a setup, you know, I, I've talked to some guys that, you know, they're, they say, look for the does, the food, you know, there's some guys that they like to set up in between the two and they've had good experience. You know, do you like to set up directly on those food plots? Are you trying to set up on travel corridors between food and bed? You know, how are you approaching your yeah, stands? This time, yeah, this time of year, um, I am I am all on the edge of food. Okay. Um, you know, it's all field edge stuff just because a lot of your deer are starting to bed closer to that food just because it's such a, such a routine that yeah. they're every night they're going there. So it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me where I'm at anyway to press in a little bit just because chances are you're going to bump deer. And like I was saying, you know, there's 40 and 50 deer coming out in the field. So the last thing, you know, I can do in an evening is press in, a, you know, a little bit, I've got to stay right out on the edge of the field. And the other thing I'm doing too, is I'm having, I'm having somebody pick me up every night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the deer, the deer on our home farm, they're so used to my dad out on the Polaris, um, you know, all year long. I mean, he's irrigating and, um, you know, always, always out and about. So, them the you know the Polaris is it's just a normal you know a normal everyday thing that they're used to so he's basically driving him or my cousin they're driving right to the base of my stand on the field edges and picking me up at night and I'm noticing within minutes deer right back on the cell cameras and stuff right there so it's it's not doing anything but the worst thing you can do right now is is bump bump those deer and I've I've went away from hunting, hunting mornings too, just because, you know, it's so hard to, to get in in the mornings. It, you know, if you do, if you do have to access through a field or something like that, you know, you're going to push all the deer off and 
and uh, it's not, you know, it's just not worth it. So have you, my main focus now is is all evening hunts. Have you tried driving in on the mornings? Because I know there's some guys that, you know, they might say, well, you know, I, I, I've got to hunt the mornings. Like, have you tried that before yeah. or... I, I never have, but, um, I don't, I don't necessarily see why it wouldn't work. Okay. Um, but my biggest issue is just, you know, being so careful to bump deer right now. No, I hear you. I hear you. Just, just, you know, cause it's not like, you know, if it was, if we were having crazy, crazy temps and snow cover and stuff like that but we don't have any snow on the ground or anything like that so it's not like you know it's not like it's life or death they've got to come feed in the daylight so you know if you've got an unpressured area they're going to feed in daylight but i think you know you start pressuring them and and bump them and some of those older bucks you know may start feeding after after dark just with with like i said with no snow or anything on the ground i could see that happening yeah, for sure. So another, I, I got a question for, you You know, you're talking about getting picked up in the evenings. And I know some guys are probably going to ask this as well. You know, I have had situations where I'm the only one out there. Somebody can't pick me up. And if you're in that kind of situation, will you blow like a deer does to try and get them off the field so they don't associate seeing somebody get out of that stand or that tree? Um, I, I don't do that, but I will, I will carry a coyote howl ah, in my pack. Okay. And, um, and I will coyote howl. And a lot of times, a lot of times that will clear the field just enough, just enough to get you to slip out of there. Okay. Um, and that works. That works really, really good too. Okay. I'm going to have to remember that one. I've never thought about that before. So, I'm, yeah. and I'm sure there's guys out there that have tried that. So, man, mm -hmm. it's good to hear uh, that, you know, you've still got that deer alive. You're trying to make a play on them. I hope you get them soon. And man, uh, you know, there's guys out there that I know they're going to listen to this and they're going to take it and they're going to go out and hopefully bag themselves a big buck this weekend. So, Taryn, man, I really appreciate your time today for Field Note Fridays and just hopping on and giving us a report for Kansas and Nebraska. Yeah, man. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.